thy desperate hand? Art thou a man? Thy form cries out, thou art. Thy tears are womanish. Thy wild acts denote the unreasonable fury of a beast. Thou hast amazed me. By my holy order, I thought thy disposition better tempered. Hast thou slain Tybalt? Wilt thou slay thyself and slay thy lady that in thy life lives by doing damned hate upon thyself? Why railest thou on thy birth, the heaven and earth, since birth and heaven and earth all three do meet in thee at once, which thou at once would lose? What rouse thee, man? Thy Juliet is alive, for whose dear sake thou wast but lately dead. There, art thou happy? Tybalt would kill thee, but thou slewest Tybalt. There, art thou happy too? The law that threatened death becomes thy friend and turns it to exile. There, art thou happy? A pack of blessings light upon thy back. Happiness courts thee in her best array, but like a misbehaved and sullen wench, thou pout'st upon thy fortune and thy love. Take heed, take heed, for such die miserable. Go, get thee to thy love, as was decreed, ascend her chamber hence, and comfort her. But look thou stay not till the watch be set, for then thou canst not pass to Mantua, where thou shalt live till we can find a time to blaze your marriage, reconcile your friends, beg pardon of the prince, and call thee back with twenty hundred thousand times more joy than thou wentst forth in lamentation. Go before nurse. Commend me to thy lady, and bid her hasten all the house to bed, which heavy sorrow makes them apt unto. Romeo is coming. The theater, the theater. Theater, theater. None of us are wearing underwear. None of us we are wearing confirmed underwear. confirmed before we started recording. We confirmed. We're, we're recording later than we normally do, too, which is probably why. But I'm also now working from home. So by law, I don't have to wear pants or underwear right. if I don't want to. By true. law. I mean, by law, I don't have to wear pants either, but I don't work remotely. I I actually was commando all the time for a long time until I started working with kids again. And then I was like, I should wear underwear every day. I should put some panties on. And then I did. <laughs> um, Probably a good call in that situation. Yeah, I guess you wear like work shorts. You can wear work shorts at the playhouse, I'm... right? <laughs> work shorts? Work shorts? shorts? Work shorts. Work shorts. Work shorts. I can wear skirts. Skirts. <laughs> it's a skirt and a sh shirt. It's, 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 oh, a skirt. A skirt. A skirt. <laughs> you can wear, uh, you know. I'm in a goofy mood, y'all. I gotta be honest. Listen, I might, I might it's Friday night. Day. I'm a little punch myself. I'm a little punch. I've had a long day, a long week. I uh, saw a stumble through today of Head Over Heels uh, at the Pasadena Playhouse, and oh, it I can't was wait. A blast. It's going to be uh, so good. It's going to be super fun. I can't wait to get people out for it. Uh, but you know what? I'm a little sleepy. So. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you're not alone. Let's We're going to see what this what this podcast episode uh, looks like. But uh, it's been nice to see y'all recently. We've seen each other a lot. We've gotten yes. hung out. Bailey and I had a big movie marathon day and then yeah. last Saturday. And CJ joined us. And we saw June together. 
It yeah. was so glorious. Well, Scott and I first, so we did a we did a six hour movie marathon at the Universal City Walk because we did the three hour Bond film. Yep. Which two thumbs way way up from way Bailey. up. I see really that enjoyed still. it. Really enjoyed it. Uh, and then um, we saw Dune right after, and that was my second viewing of Dune, but I appreciated it more in the IMAX. I loved the three D the first time, but the IMAX. There's some really great stuff in there. Yeah. I want to catch it in 3D. I think I might go back this weekend at some point. Oh, yeah. The 3D is awesome because when it gets to the parts with the spice and the sand, it's like floating at you. And you're just like, whoa. <laughs> and then the, not to give anything away, but there's like this part with this like little needle drone. And I actually jumped when it flew at me. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. So highly recommended in both formats a lot of the parts in the actual desert are shot in imax so it's it's shooting back and forth but like in a cool way um i loved the imax i thought it was really fun yeah i, I felt to... like i was a little kid sitting in front of a widescreen tv we were so close i was oh, just we like staring too, yeah. up with wide yeah. eyes and my mouth hanging open yeah that was fun i got to see it uh, a couple months ago uh, a special preview of it on the warner brothers lot not to Humble you know, brag. yeah, humble bragger. <laughs> um, the only thing I'll say about that, that was not IMAX, but it was a gorgeous theater and the sound was immaculate. Mm. The sound design, that's that's definitely going to win the Oscar. The sound design is extraordinary from the all the voices and the speaking and the Sardaukar army. Yeah, voices. and the Hans Zimmer and the score and the, uh, uh, yeah he's and done so many scores that i love i mean the first one that comes to mind which probably makes people's eyes roll is gladiator but that's one oh, of my i love that movie phenomenal score. and i love the music from it yeah yeah love that movie but i will say like hans zimmer is one of those people who you kind of feel like now should just be phoning it in and somehow isn't at mm -hmm. all mm -mm. i thought it was interesting bailey that he also did the score for the bond movie um, oh, did so he? It, yeah, so it was these cool. it was two. That's right. We did two totally, huge Zimmer. We just we Zimmered the fuck out. That's what we did. We Zimmered. The other scores that he did that Zimmer I loved, down. which is <laughs> Zimmer down now, uh, <laughs> is he did the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes score. Oh, that's and a great I, score. I loved yeah. the music from that too. I yeah. you know I know those films are like eh whatever, but. I did love the kind of movie. Didn't... I think it's an interesting take. I don't love the movies, but they're right. fun. I love Robert Downey Jr. So sure. Did you see Doolittle? No, nobody did. Because don't nobody, no, nobody did. If you love Robert, I'm sure Downey you Jr. saw it, Bailey. Oh, yeah, I see everything. I'm trying. Um, uh, what Scott? What? I was what? just going to say my favorite Hans Zimmer score is The Dark Knight. I think he does a fucking oh. that weird dissonant, you know. Nolan-esque thing and for right. Dune and just to to see how wide his range is all the the call to prayer and the voices and the choruses so that he uses in Dune it's, he's fucking good he's, he's good great. you know what he should do he should score a Shakespeare movie <gasps> what Segway oh. Segway Segway pew, pew, pew. That was really nice. I'm really proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, mine is Dunkirk, by the way. I love I love Dunkirk. <gasps> yeah. Ah. That might be uh, my yeah. favorite Nolan movie, period, actually. Uh, we'll talk. Yeah, we well, should we'll talk do. about Nolan. <laughs> well, we'll oh, it's, a, it's a hell of a conversation. That's a good one, because I don't even know what my top Nolan is, but. Oh, there's. Oh, OK. So don't don't let don't let me think about it. I'm going to enter the podcast now. Hi. <sighs> Welcome. 
to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds, made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Bertram. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. And each week we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the works of the great playwrights. I'm not reading this again, and now I'm kind of forgetting it because I'm sleepy. <laughs> the works of the great playwrights. Uh, this week, by taking a macro look at three of their works, right? That's that's what it is? Yes. yes. Woof, guys, woof. Yeah, yeah. My brain is mush. Complete sludge. It's the Listen. dip from Roger Rabbit. <laughs> it would kill a tune. Listen, right? while while you get your brain back, yeah. um, I just wanted to give a quick shout. Um, the St. Louis theater community lost a, an amazing member of their community just a couple weeks ago. Uh, he, his name was Stephen Wolf, and he was the artistic director at the St. Louis Rep. Um, mm. He was the artistic director there for 33 years. He just retired in 2019. Um, and he actually taught one of my senior master classes at Webster. He was a really cool dude. He produced 300 plus shows and directed 47 of them at the Rep. Mm. And he kind of came to the Rep at a time where theater wasn't even a big thing in St. Louis and he really brought it back. So I know St. Louis has been sad to see him go. And I just wanted to say you're missed and we love you, Steve. And thanks for all the good. Right on, Steve. I'm sorry yeah. for your loss, CJ. And, Thank and, you. And condolences to everybody who worked with him and, you know, encountered him. You sound like he was a heck of a guy. He was Shout a heck out of to St. Louis Theater and uh, go see some theater if you're in St. Louis. And Hell yeah. Go see some St. Louis rep. And... They got good shit in St. Yeah. Louis. That's I love St. Louis. I'd, yeah, I'd go really there do. if I didn't have so many friends here in L.A. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, but today... We're talking about something kind of massive. Massive. Uh, it's only right <laughs> that we talk about it uh, around this time also because it's mm. uh, it's spooky Halloween season. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and spooky we're, Halloween. We're going to be doing something because last season after our curtain call, we were like, hey, let's throw in this like bonus series on Shakespeare's comedies. Didn't we do the comedies? Yes. Well, we did yes. three comedies so, last time. Quote unquote comedies. And what did we do? Do you remember? We did. we did Much Ado, Love's Labors, Midsummer, and we did one more. You're right. We did four. We did four. Oh, I don't I remember now. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I haven't listened to it in a long time. It's one of our most listened to episodes, though, so people know, probably know. Irregardlessly. Irregardlessly, you're a year. I'm going to pull they, it uh, we, we had a blast with that one, um, and this time we decided... Why not do a couple episodes on his tragedies? Tragedy. Right? And then maybe next season we'll do the histories. Which is And I know we fought favorite. about this. No, I know we fought about this, but I want to do problem plays because two of my favorite Shakespeare's are, in my opinion, problem plays. That so. sounds great. Season four. Here come. We come back for season four, y'all. Yeah. Uh, but this week we're going to be covering, well, for the next two weeks, we're probably going to be covering... Uh, no, we are going to be... There's no probably. We are covering. We are covering. <laughs> God damn it. I read, I read the Tempest. All. The Tempest was the fourth one we uh, did. The Tempest. You're right. We did the Tempest. That's yeah, right. Okay. That was my choice. <laughs> I, I just found I it. it. Yeah. Uh, no, so the first one we're going to cover is... Oh, oh! The name of the miniseries. <laughs> Guys. Jesus Christ. Guys. We're doing we great. need naps. We, we need, need naps. naps. The, the name of this miniseries is Titus Padronicus. Brilliant. Hilarious. Titus. Or pa Brilliant. Titus Padronicast. That's kind of funny too. That's good. Yeah. But the, the first one we're covering is Titus Andronicus. And then we're covering 
My choice. What was your, wait? Whose choice was Titus? That was mine. The I CJ picked Titus, Titus yeah. Andronicus. My choice was Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. And what was your choice, Scott? And don't I say sh- it out loud. I, I well, I, it's the Scottish play. It is. Okay, <laughs> Shrek. The Scottish play. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, donkey. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm done. Let's uh, see Shrek the musical, but Shrek plays no, Macbeth. No, Rick. I shan't. Yeah, I shan't. Do the it. Shrek Shrek Beth musical. Shrek Beth. Shrek Beth. <laughs> Max Shrek. I'd watch that. That would be compelling. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, McDuff is just McDonkey. McDonkey. Um, <gasps> oh my no, God, you guys. The donkey would be Banquo, right? You're right. I don't know what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> what are you thinking, Bailey? I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. But yeah, hey, so we're doing this, but I want to, we're connoisseurs of context. I want to know things about your context with Shakespeare's tragedies. Um, and we can get more specific about the plays themselves when we get to them, but like with his... You know, more kind of all all of his plays, maybe also just Shakespeare. Give me your context with Shakespeare. We've done it before, but give it again. This is new. Siege. Anyone? See me. Um, Hop in I, the water. I will fine. say that. Um, I I mean I we we read a tiny bit of Shakespeare in high school, and then I didn't really get into it in college, and I became a total fucking dweeb for iambic pentameter and speech mm. devices and just doing the math of all of it. And then I got all of my equity points working up at Theatricum Botanicum. My mm-hmm. first play up there, well, the first play that I did in in LA was A Midsummer Night's Dream, and I played Lysander. That was not with Theatricum. But then I did Macbeth with Theatricum Botanicum, and then the following year I did Hamlet, and then, no, following year I did Cymbeline, which is one of my favorites, and then the following year I did Hamlet. So um, I've done probably more Shakespeare than I've done any other style of theater, to be honest. Nice. Yeah. Scott? Well, um, my... Not it wasn't my first performance, but I did Julius Caesar. I played Mark Anthony in ninth grade. Um, <gasps> That's it, so cute. It was adorable, and <laughs> um, from there it was it was mostly just exposure through classes and school and scene work and all that. Um, I've done shows and I've seen shows. But it was it was good old public education that honestly introduced me to Shakespeare and then got me turned on. And then when Kenneth Branagh's Henry V came out, mm. which is way, way before your times, um, I, I and a buddy of mine, Dave Jolly, whom I've mentioned on this podcast many times, <laughs> Dave Jolly and I went to see Henry V. We were two of only five people in the theater, although the movie was a, a big hit and he got nominated for Oscars. Right. And we sat there and our jaws, we were both, you know, in early high school. We'd both been acting for a little while and our, we were afraid of Shakespeare at that time, though. And that really turned us on because we understood what was going on. And we were like, mm. oh, oh. Because, you know, they shove the play in front of you and maybe they play a you know recording of something. But, right. you know, until you see it, until you see it done well, that was, and and so that really cracked a lot of stuff open for me. And then I went to s- seek it out. And, you know, I've, I've you know, always I think everybody in the theater, for the most part, returns to the bard every once in a while. 
Sure. What about you, Bales? Bales? Yeah, you know, I read a lot of it in school. I think the first one was Midsummer in like sixth grade or something mm. like that. And I think we read it out loud, like in class. And oh, it was all very right. fun. Yeah, and she yeah, sort of yeah. described what was going on as we did it. Um, shout out to Mrs. Kepsel. Um, yeah, Cynthia yeah. Kepsel, yeah, she's a badass. Uh, she was a FBI agent, undercover FBI agent, until she what? became a lit teacher. That's great. <laughs> That's the sexiest thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh yeah. Why and haven't you written this movie? Why haven't you? Written You're not this wrong. Movie? I should have done that. You're right. You're right. You can it throw in all kinds good. of literary references. She's got to grade the papers, and she's got to bust the guy. Ah, Yo. It writes. It writes itself. I think it, it should be set itself. in like the '70s, though. It needs like a Starsky and Hutch vibe. Like. Yeah, 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 for sure. Maybe okay. a Miami Vice kind of '80s mm, thing. Oh, that's cool too. Okay. A lot of coke. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but so I re I read um, Midsummer first, and then I you know, and I think I enjoyed it. I think I was because I liked theater, so I was just like, yeah, this is fun. And I think I got to read a lot of it out loud um, because I would raise my hand a lot to read it out loud. Whatever. Then I read it, a lot of it in high school. Can't remember what. Can't, don't remember why. I remember really liking the Kenneth Branagh, Denzel Washington, Emma Thompson. Much ado. Much ado. And I, I, I will stand up for Keanu Reeves' performance in that forever. <laughs> I know people hate it, but I'm like, I know hey. you love that opening scene, the oh, shower, the group shower scene. scene. You love it. We talked. I don't about know it. what it is. It's erotic. Well, you were at a young age, and it's erotic. It is. It's a big deal to me. Uh, I think about it all the time. And Emma Thompson's so hot in that movie. She is. Which is not she something is. you say about Emma Thompson very often. I, I just watched her in the the couple Harry Potter movies she's in, and I'm like, God damn, that woman has a motherfucking range. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then, you know, she's like the angel in Angels of America, which is another yes. time where you're like, oh, you're hot. You're super hot. Yeah. Uh, and then she's like Nanny McPhee, and you're like, oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, 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 Lord. Oh, oh my Lord. Gosh. Oh, my. Uh, no, we stand a legend. But... Uh, then in college, I saw a Midsummer in original pronunciation. That was Ooh. one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I was sort of like, oh, I'll never do Shakespeare. Fuck Shakespeare. Uh -huh. I'm not going to be in Shakespeare. And I became one of those people who was like, I think it's so stupid that somebody who was writing so long ago, which wasn't that long ago, but like so somebody who was writing so long ago, 400 years ago, that we say that he's the greatest of all time. Bullshit. I think we've done better. And I kind of just dismissed him completely. But then I was at Hogwarts. If you don't know, I attended Hogwarts. It's in the middle of Kansas City. Nobody knows about it. It's a little gem. It's a really beautiful little uh, performing <laughs> arts college of witchcraft and wizardry. And my teacher, Beate Pettigrew, directed, as I've talked about a hundred times, a post-apocalyptic, which is cliche now, but at the time was like revolutionary to me, Richard III. And it was mm. one of the coolest mm. things I've ever done in my life. I was Lord Hastings. They pulled a bloody head out of the sand and like all this crazy stuff. And I, the ghosts at the end were coming out of um, sand dunes and the sand would fly up and there was uh, chain link fences and uh, uh, there was two tons of literal sand on the stage and rebar coming out of a bombed out building and a truck was flipped upside down. It was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. And I was like, oh, maybe I love this. And now I work at Shakespeare Youth Fest as a director, That's teacher right. and tech director. So yeah. it's like a kind of fun. And you do really um, important and cool shit with them too. I think it's a we really... Do, 
cool the, thing you do there. The best part about Shakespeare Youth Fest, and actually I think for the histories we should bring on the um, executive producer and artistic director of Shakespeare Youth Fest because they're the coolest uh, women on the planet. Wow. Um, they went to um, Kenya with Keila and I actually, mm. and uh, they're they're phenomenal, and they they're the reason why we got to go actually, and. Th- they're just like geniuses, but they work with these kids where half of the kids are paying like a lot to be there and their parents are Oscar winning or, you know, Emmy winning people. And then the other half of the kids are kids who don't pay anything, who are on scholarship there, who are just kids who love Shakespeare. Cool. That's like rad. That's yeah, rad. That's really and cool. so you get this mixture of cultures, you get this mixture of just like personalities and neurodivergencies and it's, truly magical even when the shows don't work fully yeah everyone is just enraptured and crying by the end because it's i've seen an eight-year-old play cleopatra Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like and we took all the sort of sexuality and sensuality out of it obviously but it still plays it still plays as just this powerful young little woman coming in and being like fuck all of you you know like i'm i'm taking over this room and they do it i'm actually completely unfamiliar with that play and i it well it's phenomenal put it down yeah put put it on the list quite good uh the movie's even good the elizabeth taylor movie yeah um but i just wait is that the shape is that no 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 no, no. i'm thinking of the one with um there's a filmed version on PBS. It's not Elizabeth Taylor. There's a filmed version, and Patrick Stewart and like LeVar Burton actually even I think like shows up at one point cool. as like small parts. They're not even like big parts. But it's like, oh no no no! It's Jeffrey from Prince of Be- the Butler from Oh yeah uh, yeah yeah, Fresh yeah Prince of Bel Air yeah is in it. And oh, I can't think of who. Cool. And I can't think of who. Yeah, he's a plays Cleopatra. dude. Like his, yeah, but it's like phenomenal, thing. and it's like really good um, filming of it. Anyway, I it's not the stuff. Elizabeth Taylor Cleopatra. Cut that out. Double it. Triple it. Don't let no. me sound like an Wonderful. idiot, Scott. No. Um, I love you all. Um, <laughs> but uh, all that to say, I I still direct there every year. We did one over Zoom that was Richard the Third, actually set in a high school, which is crazy because we're about to do Teenage Dick at. The oh, Playhouse, yeah. which is Richard the Third set in a high school, except he has cerebral palsy. It's gonna yeah. be phenomenal. Huh, cool. Uh, it's at Woolly Mammoth right now, actually in DC. If that, anyone's uh, yeah, close to that, yes, you should go see yes, it. Yeah. Um, but then it's coming out here, and then it's going to the Huntington in Boston. But uh, I love Shakespeare now. I love watching these kids. They get to come up with the actual uh, concept for every show. Mm-hmm. So if they're like really feeling like climate change. Uh, stuff that day when we're just talking about what the show's gonna be, then that's what we end up making. And we've done crazy stuff that doesn't make any sense. We've done Lear as Weinstein. We've done, which was Oof. nuts. It was like uh, with our high schoolers, you know, like we've done cool stuff and I'm really proud of it. And uh, we did Titus Andronicus actually. Nice. As I'm a stoked musical. to talk to y'all about this. Yes! We did it with our younger kids, and so we made it a Sweeney Todd type like farce. That's ah. great. It was awesome. It's uh, perfect. We'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into it. But now that we we know our con- con- context, we have a little segment that uh, I love very deeply. He's doing his stretches. He's getting ready. <laughs> Back and forth in his room. He's running laps, folks. He's running laps. <laughs> <laughs> Arm circles, small, now big, backwards, now forwards. Yeah, 
Can you make a big face for me? Now make your face as small as you can, as big as you can, as small as you can. Lionfish, lionfish. (laughs) Red leather, yellow leather. Okay. (laughs) This is a segment we like to call... Scottpedia. 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 Um, so we're, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to cover Shakespeare real quick, but we, we did Shakespeare last year. People know the general shit, so I tried to go and find funky facts about Ooh. about the bard. We love um, a funky fact. It was a funky fact. <laughs> so what I found out, though, was if you type in, like, weird facts about Shakespeare or fun facts about Shakespeare, the same lists just keep coming up. They gender, yeah. Sure. yeah, they generally run anywhere between. His son's name was Hamnet. Ah, <laughs> I got, I he got, died. I we got some it. of that. So anyway, here's some fucking random uh, Bill Shakespeare. Shakespeare facts. Shakespeare had seven siblings. Joan, who only lived two months. Margaret. Gilbert. Gil. Gil Shakespeare. Gilly. Gil. Uh, another Joan. <laughs> which oh, God. Is... We're like, let's do so it. The first Joan Don't bit it, again. and then there was a second Joan, and she, okay. she made okay. it a little longer. Second time's a charm. Yeah, there was also <laughs> Anne, and then brothers Richard and Edmund. Hmm? Oh. Mm. Oh. Hey, 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 Bailey, CJ. What? Calling Shakespeare an Elizabethan playwright is actually incorrect. What? The majority. <laughs> Of his plays were written after Queen Elizabeth I's death, making him a Jacobian writer. Listen, I saw Judy Dench in The Rose. She knows that Shakespeare in Love, and that's facts in history. Uh, The moons. I did see that movie, and that is what happens. It's exactly what happens. The moons circling around the planet of Uranus. Uranus. Our uh, name after Uranus is like your Malthus. That's right. His mouths and butts are the same. Mouths and butts are the same things. We're bringing it full circle. Uh, But those moons, the moons of Uranus, uh, are named after uh, characters from Shakespeare's plays, including. Don't be a coward. Say it how it's. uh, It's Uranus. It's your anus. Your. Don't be a coward. Anus. Okay. And the moons include uh, Oberon, Ariel, and Juliet, to name some. Aww. Oh, cool. Uh, Shakespeare had a so poem. So they all sk- circle the butt. Yeah, if you will. I'm sorry. I keep no, interrupting. Juliet you. Cir- circles your butt. He circles your butt. <laughs> Shakespeare so had a poem sketched into his tomb in Trinity Church, Stratford-upon-Avon. It says, anyone who moves his bones will be cursed. Consequently, his grave has gone untouched since 1747. Shakespeare's father. Because he doesn't exist. Because he's not ah, really there. He's, he's really there. There's a guy named Bill Shakespeare there. That's right. Well, Billiam, yeah, but, you know. Did he write, did he write it? I don't know. I'm um, just kidding. Shakespeare's dad, John Shakespeare, was living his best life. He was elected the borough ale taster, which means that he checked out all the bread and malt liquors until he was convinced they were okay. Or hey. he just got hammered. We don't know. Right. Uh, either one. John was uh, also, accordingly to, to some sources, an illegal wool uh, dealer. <gasps> no, I don't know why that's shady. Uh, a landlord. Can I get one pound of wool? No. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Come over here. Don't tell anyone where you got it. Bro, bro. Um, he was also a landlord and a glove maker, so uh, it's safe to say he uh, he had a hell of a LinkedIn profile. Uh, Shakespeare. <laughs> 
references birds more than 600 times in his plays. Birds are they're great, pretty. They're I pretty. Like they're also a great metaphorical tool, Bailey. Uh, sure. They but we all know they can be. There can always be too much of a of, of a good thing. But Shakespeare apparently had never heard that saying, or else didn't just didn't care. The dude loved his birds. He also made 200 references to dogs in his plays. He liked animals. You know how many cat references there are? Three. None. Not a. There's one to a bear. Prince of cats. What about Tybalt? There's a there's a there's a reference to a bear. There's a reference to tigers too. There's a bear in there. There's Exit pursued by a bear <laughs> is in Henry Four Part One. Yeah, I think, oh yeah, that's right. I yeah, say. Like, it's been a while since I've read and, that one. And <laughs> as a director, you have to decide whether you're going to have an actual bear pursue him off stage or like a literal actual bear. No, I mean like. A man a in a bear suit. Person. Go ahead. <laughs> you should, we, use projections. That's what I'd do. Just run, run against uh-huh. the screen. I'd hire bear. a bear. Hire a bear. That's what I'm saying. Like a circus bear. Like <laughs> yeah. that's, I think, that's the only sad, way to do it. Though. That's sad. the only way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> that motherfucker's horrible in the green room. You have to cage the audience, but <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, here's an interesting thing, and I did not know this. Nobody knows what Shakespeare did between 1585 and 1592, seven years. (laughs) To the dismay of his biographers, Shakespeare disappeared from the historical record between 1585 when his twin's baptism was recorded and 1592 when the playwright Robert Greene denounced him in a pamphlet as an upstart crow. You upstart crow! Like Jesus. Uh, the, the insult suggests he'd already made a name for himself on the London stage by then. Uh, what did the newly married father and future literary icon do for those seven years? Historians have speculated that he worked as a school teacher, studied law, traveled across continental Europe, or joined an acting troupe that was passing through Stratford. According to one 17th century account, he fled his hometown after poaching deer from a local politician's estate. Yeah, I bet he cheated on his wife a lot. I was gonna say. Times. Also, a really good movie or even like miniseries or something would be like the seven years that Shakespeare was missing, but he's like a tragedian with like a small acting troupe that's just passing through towns, and he's like already lived through sort of his fame point. Yeah, and he's mm-hmm. just like just wants to make like shitty theater because he's just like tired of the the bullshit of it all. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good movie. Seven no? years. Yeah. Seven years of Shakespeare. <gasps> it's like an Elizabethan Birdman. Let's, yeah. Oh, we got that. We can tell the story. Birdman. Just call it Birdman again. Oh, he likes yeah. Birds Birdman Two. Birdman Two. <laughs> Birdman Two. Colon the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Exclamation point. The musical. In New York. Colon the prequel. Yeah, set, set in New York or Paris. Let's set it in Paris. Paris. Paris in the twenties. Um, the fourteen twenties. I don't know. Uh, Shakespeare has no direct descendants. Uh, he had some grandchildren, but uh, they all they all ditched out there. They n- none of his grandchildren had any uh, had any kids. So that we is, know of. That we know of. But you know, y'all hey, I have uh, a confession. What? Did you fuck Shakespeare? Did you, Did fuck you have Shakespeare? a child? You got Shakespeare, baby. I'm actually no, never mind. You are Bill Shakespeare. <laughs> I am Bill Shakespeare. Yeah, I am Bill. Hey, we should give a shout out to uh, our, our friend Michael Shaw Fisher, uh, yes. who wrote Skullduggery, a prequel to Hamlet. Uh, he and his wife Allie Miller just had their baby. <gasps> 
good. Uh, and I'm calling him Little Bard. Little Bard. Little Bard. Little Bard. Yeah. So there we go. Congrats, uh, you two. Congrats. That will be a talented child. Oh, my God. And a sexy uh, child. They are two of the <laughs> most attractive they're, they're people on the hot. planet. They're just hot people. Congrats on your sexy Jesus. baby. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean that. Who <laughs> 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 um, are we? <laughs> Finally, I've got one last thing. Finally, the Oxford Dictionary, uh, according to the o- Oxford English Dictionary, Shakespeare had introduced almost 3,000 words to the English language. His vocabulary ranged from an estimated 17,000 to 29,000 words, uh, which would be double the number of words used by the average conversationalist. Uh, and certainly m- more than you, CJ. Am I lying? <laughs> Boom! <laughs> I don't know why. Why I felt the need. And Scottopedia, thank you for your your time and your patience. We love it. We love it deeply. It's one of my favorite segments of all time. And I'm sorry that we giggled through the whole thing, but it was really No, no, I did I took I took no offense. I I like the jibes. Good. Yeah. Uh okay, well why don't we get into the first one we're talking about and uh to to slide us on in there's another segment i really enjoy <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. slide us on in i'm gonna hey. slide right in i got wow, some CJ. <laughs> oh my god i got some coconut oil here we can um slide all right ourselves. let's do it all right how about all right. i mean it can't be that bad right just yeah. do the stinger CJ's breakdown. There we uh, go. Go for it, CJ. We should yeah. probably say um, trigger warning for this play in particular. Oh, um, well, sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Titus yeah. Andronicus, a Roman general, returns from war with four prisoners who vow to take revenge against him. They rape and mutilate Titus' daughter and have his sons killed and banished. Titus kills two of them and cooks them into a pie, which he serves to their mother before killing her too. A battle for who can be shittiest to who. Sure. And I just say, I had not, I read this play about a decade ago because I was going to audition for a production, which I ultimately didn't audition for, but got to see at Theater of Note here in in Los Angeles, uh, which was a really great production in a very small, compact space. But just sitting down, I read basically an act a day for five days. I think I did the last two on Monday. But anyway, it fucking, I loved it. It tripped me out. Like, I had forgotten just how nutty it is and how different it feels, I think, because it's so much earlier than later works and certainly later tragedies. Yeah, right. man. It's. I heard it. I read it was, like, one of the favorites back in the day because they just loved blood and violence and shit back in Elizabeth. They loved ghosts and they loved violence on stage. So this was a favorite back this then. This was like a blockbuster. This was like a big... Marvel movie or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and he's he's responding to the popularity of revenge plays at the time. Right. And, you know, he, the play receives a lot of criticism going, ah, it's just not as good as, you know, his later stuff and all that, and uh, which I understand. But then, you know, recently people, and uh, Tamor kind of did this with her movie, started playing it more as a dark comedy. And CJ and I talked about this um a couple of weeks ago, we talked when we were just talking about it, and I uh, and, and I think he's fucking with it in almost a Tarantino way, you know. It's like Tarantino's take on the revenge movie with the Kill Bill movies sure. is almost how Titus comes off, and it's still beautiful. It still has its moments of 
beauty, and but it's fucked up and crazy. For sure. Yeah, I mentioned I, I directed a musical version of this. We had mm -hmm. a, a younger cast, and they chose Titus, and we were like, all right, well. <laughs> Um, I mean, I've seen middle schoolers do Mackers, too, So, and I'll talk about that. And it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It was in the round, and it was fucking awesome. Um, actually, it was more... It wasn't even in the round. It was like... Well, I'll get to it, because that's later. Um, it was awesome. It was like kind of immersive. But when we did Titus, we did it in sort of like a way that everyone was in two out... out uh, oh, my God. Two big columns. The audience was in two big columns, and then there was a runway in between them. It's and then called there, alley, isn't it? Like an alley set up? Alley. Kind yeah. of, but then there was also like playing space behind them and around them. Like they would have to turn Ooh. around sometimes Ooh. for big things. And then in front of them, this was all at Fado Doe, actually, where um, it's actually the exterior shots in La La Land of where Emma Stone is doing her one woman show. Yeah, it's yeah. It's called Fado Doe. Um, it's in South. Or West Adams, excuse me, uh, south of Hollywood. And I, uh, a long ass drive for me every time I've had to go there. <laughs> and we we put it up there because it's just like a huge space and it's really cavernous, but you can fill it. Uh, and we had a lot of music and stuff like that because we made it a musical, a Sweeney Todd-esque musical. Keela Packett and I actually wrote all the music to it. Uh, I tried to find some of it. If I can find a recording of one of them, I'll put it at the end of this episode. Yeah. If I can find it, because they were really funny, and I think it's just Keela singing it or whatever, but we did, like, a, a silly, like, pie-eating song, <laughs> which was hilarious. Um, we did... Uh, oh, but we did go dark. We let ourselves go dark um, because they... We made it really theatrical, but they actually like chopped off Lavinia's hands on stage and we made Ooh. it kind of weird and silly, but uh -huh. it also was like, oh, and then she came on later and she had this crown of sticks and then she had sticks coming out of both of her hands and red ribbons coming out, but it was like <gasps> tons of sticks coming out of both of her hands. Mm -hmm. And then she had this thing coming off of her like chin to make it look like she had like blood sort of coming out of her mouth from the uh her tongue being cut out right mm. and she sang and it's this young girl named yara who has been in uh, the school of rock tour for uh, a long oh, time wow. as um the girl who's like the manager of the band i forget the name uh, in the show um but then she also was in like ragtime at uh the pasadena playhouse and she's phenomenal but she was our lavinia and she just like sang this song that was only Oz because she didn't have a tongue, right? And it was oh. just, like, oh. heartbreaking. Oh. And, every, and she's, like, phenomenal. So it just took everyone into cry land. And she was in, a, I think, like, you know, sixth grade or something, fifth grade, you know, something oh. like that. She's tiny. And it just blew everyone away. But then we let ourselves get weird. And um, we had a, a young girl playing Titus who just destroyed the role and was phenomenal mm. uh and it was just a good show i was really proud of it i don't think everyone got it yeah because tonally it was a little off right sure like, sure, you sure you never really know how to feel about anything that was happening and we cut it pretty substantially for a lot of language but also like demetrius and chiron had a lot less to do because it was just like that they're the ones who say the most fucked up shit right oh yeah yeah, yeah. do the most fucked up shit so we had to like kind of pull back on that a little bit but it was a it was a good ass show 
That was really fun. Ah, oh, that sounds like amazing. Have y'all ever seen this? Uh, I mean, I've seen. You yeah, talked, I saw, right. I saw that one production at Theater right. of Note, which, um, if you've ever been to it, is a very small uh, space, but it's a cool space to work in too, because you're as an audience they member. They can adjust it too, and they can adjust it. And they had this one kind of the long ways um, where they were playing the length of the thing as, as opposed uh-huh. to the depth. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was just, you were right up there and um, the way that, um, uh, it was Dan, Dan Maley who played Titus, uh, who was really good. And he played it very, in, he played the pain of it. And it mm-hmm. was interesting. But then I've seen it on a big stage. I saw it in a three-quarter thrust one time. And, and yeah, and it was rad because they had... The only way to describe it is like paper, like almost like butcher paper all over the place, mm. and blo- and blood went, you know. Oh, yeah. Wow. And then I guess there was what, like a 2017 production at the Old Globe, where people passed out um, during it because the vi- right. the the blood and the violence was. So it's kind extreme. of like the Sarah Kane of Shakespeare's, to be right. honest. <laughs> in in so many ways, and it it is funny, like it is over the top, and then it he turns it in in such a, a crazy way once the rape happens, and 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 she's mutilated, and the horror of that hits you. I mean, there everything before that is horrific too, but. You can almost play it to the hilt, but once that happens, and once you see her after that, I think that it becomes grounded, and then he starts really rocking the themes of talking about the spiraling of of revenge. And you know, I think there's he says a lot of things I noticed this time I hadn't noticed before. The idea that Titus isn't an especially good dad. He kind of you know he's he's you know he's kids are getting killed left and right oh he's and, awful it's, and then, it's very seinfeldian like nobody yeah. in this is is particular i mean even right i mean not that she deserves it but even right before lavinia is tortured the way she is she's kind of shitty to tamara yeah before yeah. not again not deserving but it's like nobody's really a hundred percent nice in this no not by any stretch i do think that it's interesting that aaron the moore is trying to protect his child that even till the very end he is a loving father and a protective father in a way that titus isn't and that stood out to me this time a a lot i was like i i don't know why i was fixated on it i had seen somebody do an aaron that monologue uh recently and so maybe that's why it was in my head but when it popped in there i'm like well this motherfucker just He's just trying to get the fuck back to goth. Like right. he's, well, he's, that's, he's out, you know? That's a great observation, Scott, because I, I think I think we should talk about Aaron the Moore a little bit here because, mm. I mean, there's some things to talk about. And we, we didn't really have this problem because we had a predominantly black, actually, uh, production of Titus when we did it at Shakespeare mm-hmm. Youth Fest. So we didn't even really have to think about this. But I think in a real situation, a more professional situation, when you're casting this, this is a tough play because race does matter in this play Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right and it's so you have tamara who is goth which is in terms of romans not technically the same ethnicity but it is white passing it is roman passing sure right so there's tamara and then she is illicitly making love seeing having an affair with 
Aaron, right? Mm -hmm. And they have a child together. That means it's a biracial child. Which and she rejects. It. Which she rejects. But they. But also, the whole point becomes that Lucius wants to hang this baby. Right. Yeah. Literally lynch this child. Right. Right? And, and then this whole thing about Aaron as an evil figure and what that means for... Aaron as a monolith of black men, right? And 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 things like that. Like I think you have to be so careful Ugly. directing this play. Yeah. I think yeah. there's ways to take it where you could make this about Black Lives Matter. You could make sure. this about You know what I mean? There's a way to make but I I think a lot of people assume that Aaron just should be played evil. And I think that's a hard line no, to walk. Well, think... I think one direction you could take it in too, because especially at this time, if you're thinking about ish, what's going on with the Roman empire where the Romans are coming in and at first everyone's pagan and then it all changes to Christianity. I mean, something that I keep in mind of, especially when you have a character that's a quote unquote more. And what I think of with Aaron that justifies the character for me is how much, Muslims have been mistreated and told what to do and warred upon in this period of time. So why wouldn't he be angry and and vengeful yeah. is sure. kind of how I take that character, right. especially think, if you play it in this time period. Sure, right. sure. I, and I think a lot of people do, you know, I mean, he does speak in a pretty highly sexualized and violent manner, mm -hmm. right? And I think that becomes difficult today because you know we're never wanting to stereotype but it has some of that and i think you have to find a way it's just you, i think you have to be so educated to put up this show in 2021 like and just, it's how i feel about the merchant of venice it's hard agreed. you've got to figure out how to 100%. do it right 100 percent. if you're not because if because at the end of the day you you kind of need to say something or why are you doing it right and right. the point now is to change things and to make it work but i think one of the well go ahead scott you you're going to say something i was just going to say i i think that the take um that that popped into my head he's absolutely unrepentant even to the end but he's unrepentant against fucked up people right does he say yes. fucked up things does he have a fucked up disposition yes but his disposition ultimately is I'm taking care of myself and then I'm going to take care of my child. And so if you give him that honor and the power in that, in that sort of fuck you that he delivers at the end and that monologue at the end is just, whoo, like you he's can. He's also alone this whole time. And he's too. alone. And so, yeah, so he's just taking care of himself um, is my, take on that but bailey you're absolutely right like i i don't think that i would enter try i i would direct the play but i would certainly have uh, a person of color uh, as my my dramaturg i would certainly have yeah a person but of even color bigger than that my... i think you would need to like really research and educate yourself in a lot of things especially oh, yeah whatever setting you're going to put it in, even if you're going to set it in the time period, like you just have to know exactly what you're doing and yeah. because it can say some really awful things and it, and it gets into a little bit of like black men and, and people of color in general, but not being able to create their own narratives and identity. And it's why to, you know, because, because 
put, making Aaron this evil figure in the play automatically makes him sort because he's the only black figure in the play theoretically um, it, because race does matter in this play in a lot of ways I think he becomes this this stereotype and this violent figure and it's it's why Tamir Rice or Ahmad Ar- Arbery Mm-hmm. like get shot right because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. his identity was preconceived by the cops and then therefore they shot him before mm-hmm. having any information on this person right because mm-hmm. we just automatically impose all these things and i know i'm getting deeper than it really is but i've just been thinking a lot about it yeah. and there's this one scene that's really telling about because there's a lot of comparison between white and black in this play. And at one point, one of the best metaphors of the whole play and why I think there's a way to really make this play about how Titus is the evil one here is there's this part where Marcus Andronicus, his brother there, it's the big, it's the big dinner scene uh, Mm -hmm. early on. And Marcus kills a fly. Ah, yes. Oh, yeah. A a black, filthy fly, right? Unwanted fly at the dinner table. And then Titus has this, like, huge response to it where he's like, what? Why would you do that? I think the literal line is, how if that fly had a father and mother? And Mm -hmm. Marcus says, I killed the fly because it is black. Mm -hmm. And then Titus stops, thinks about it for a moment, and then he decides that he's going to inflict even more violence on this fly, even though it's already very much dead. Uh Uh-huh. And he starts wailing on it and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. If that's not a perfect image of just racism itself, like, like that's it. Like, I don't even know how else to say it. No, it is. It's, It's pure blatant racism that existed, you know, well, that still exists, but existed... I think in in a far more reactionary way back then, because right. you just didn't see people of color in England, you know. But, uh, but but you did. That's actually kind of a weird misconception. Is that like they were they were around and they, we didn't have words for like racism yet, but like it existed and they existed and they were around and like they, certainly in like London and big metropolitan right. areas. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think there were definitely these kind of political discussions happening around it about identity and about race and about how different people uh, hierarchies of people and how they're treated in certain circumstances because even he in later plays he does a lot with class you know he steps away from race and does more with class this one really though like has some resonance 400 years later still has like intense resonance that like Yes, things have gotten better, but like weirdly, we're in a similar place to what is being discussed in this play. And I think I overlooked the race part of this completely while working on it and while reading it in college and all those other things. And this reading, I think just with my since everything has really been boiling and, and, and all these things have been more presented in the media, which is both good and and horrifying. Um, I think my brain is just in a better place to read those kind of things yeah. and, play, mm-hmm. and like see it and be and like, oh it. shit. And understand the, those levels. And because Shakespeare seems to be interested in it. I mean, he comes back to with Othello and that's a whole other discussion in terms of, but it's very specific that he's talking about 
race in that and yeah. otherness and differences, which is, you know, something I've been meditating a lot on and how easy a trap it is for we as human beings. We're, it's it's buried in, in us on a primal level to not just notice otherness, but generate the otherness, create the otherness, whether it's really there or not. I'm thinking about our political divisions today, you know, the idea of, of us and them. And so One any- One of my notes, Scott, is just otherness written in all caps. Right. Because it's true. It's right. the big, It's probably the biggest theme in the play. Well, and talk about like a trope that is still around today that is in this play, and it's, it's definitely in Othello, is the whole idea of black men taking our white women right. type of thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is why everyone should go read Paula Vogel's Desdemona. Here, here. Mm. What a good fucking play. Yay. We that did tackles that tackles sort of the behind Natalie. the scenes of all that. We did, Natalie. Oh. We yeah. gotta have Natalie back on. Well, yeah, anytime, anytime. Natalie can come hang out. I'm taking uh, Natalie to lunch next week because oh. I I didn't get to see her on her birthday, and then she was shooting a film in New York. Uh, in New York, that yeah. she wrote Jesus, and now she's uh, she's back in town. So I'm gonna take her to lunch next week to celebrate all the things. Oh, that's um, amazing. I will say, Aaron had one of my favorite funny exchanges, and it's in the scene where the nurse comes in and brings the baby that Tamara just had. And I can't mm. remember, one of the sons says, thou hast undone our mother. And Aaron says, villain, I have done thy mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, well, I, remember, I fucked your mom. Yeah, I, just I remember we, we kept that line in. <laughs> And the kid, maybe I shouldn't be saying these kids' names. I'm just saying their first name. Who cares? But the the kid who was playing Aaron, his name was PJ. And this kid is a phenomenal actor, but he's a little effeminate. And he kind of played it like, like, Girl. almost like how Alan Cumming plays. Yeah, the... yeah, yeah. Oh, what a great! <laughs> I, we got to talk about the film, by the oh, way. Oh, we'll talk about that. We'll absolutely talk about. It. But it it kind of felt that way, you know, and it worked. It was really fun because he didn't play him very evil, and he gave that line reading exactly how you <laughs> just read it. Where he was like, like, homie, I've done your mother. Like, it was hilarious. It was so I love good. It. I love um, it. Anyway, so uh, let's talk about the movie. Are y'all cool with that? Yes, I. I watched that movie before I even ever got into Shakespeare. Like, I watched it in high school before I even knew anything about Titus Andronicus. I just remember seeing the VHS at at Family Video, and it was that cover with Anthony Hopkins all in the woad paint. Mm -hmm, right. And I, boy, re-watching it was such a treat. That fucking opening scene, the shit that Tamor does with Ritual just gets me fucking hard. I just yeah. love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Alan Cumming as Saturninus, uh, a phenomenal role that you can do so much with. You can yes. play it on so many levels. It's funny. It's weird. It's. I thought his was perfect too. Absolutely. Yeah. He takes it. To, he does a great job. Uh, another standout performance. Well, okay. Then there you was have a Hopkins. lot in this. Right. Obviously, you have Hopkins. You have Jessica Lange. Yes. Camera, which I. She's only like thirty three. I don't know. In it or something. She's young. Go ahead, Scott. Uh, I. Oh, she. No, she was like fifty. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No. No. Uh, she. I. I didn't love her in this. <gasps> Oh, I know, I know. And I thought she was great. I, and maybe it's because I I have such a, a different kind of version of what her, Tamora is to me. Um, I didn't hate it. She just was my least favorite part in it. She didn't, 
I don't know. It's weird to say. Hmm. No, it's it, not. You get to have an opinion. <laughs> I guess. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, but I, I didn't hate it or anything. I like the movie uh, a lot. Uh, Alan Cumming is great in it. Fucking. Um, and just some of the others. Uh, Harry John... Lennox is the guy that plays Aaron. Yeah. He was fucking great. Harry mm. Lennox, uh, uh, a legend of mm. stage and screen. Um, I'm trying to think of what he's done recently, though. What was like the more most recent thing he's done? I know he's on Billions, but he hasn't. He's not on like every episode of that. Um, I'm trying to see here. They don't. Oh, he's in the just. Oh, fuck. He's Martian Manhunter. Oh, duh. Yes. In yes. Snyder yes. Cut. That, that's what. Yes. I, that's, yes. yes. I totally um, forgot about that. Yeah. The um, two that hit me between the eyes also that we've seen in modern day, Matthew Rice, which he played one of the horrible sons. He was the modern day Perry Mason that everyone was talking about. Yeah. And then right. the other one, Laura Frazier, who plays Lavinia, was in Breaking Bad and is now in Better Call Saul. Right. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, oh, Lennox also was in the Matrix uh, trilogy. Yes, oh, yes, yes. That was the yeah. one that I was like, He's oh, Commander that's Locke. what I've seen him in. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, God, was he fucking sexy in Titus. Uh, so good. Yeah, yes. he's phenomenal. He's hot. We want to touch his body. Uh, another <laughs> this movie person... taught me how to kill someone with a spoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. That's true. It's fucked up. It's so uh, you have Jonathan Reese Myers, whose career is so weird. So weird. Um, he's Chiron. Uh, another really interesting person who who I honestly love, but I can only think of one other movie he's in. So maybe y'all can help me out, or I can find his IMDb. But Bassianus is played by James Frain, who mm -hmm. is who I always remember from Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, that's right. He He's... looks like 1999 Ram Rami Malek to me. It's like, it's Rami Malek. No, it's not. <laughs> this nice movie is 22 oh, years old. Interesting. <laughs> this guy has a huge nose. I don't see the Malek, but he's, it, to me, he's like, uh, He's Villefort, I think is the name, in Count of Monte Cristo, uh, which is sort of the villain role or like the second villain role or something like the person that really is the ultimate revenge. Yeah, he's got that. Uh, he's got Reindeer Games. Right, uh, right. Tron, Tron 2010. Tron was the one that was like, Tron. Tron. I forgot right. he was in Ron. Tron. <laughs> Ron Tron. He's, uh, he's been in uh, What We Do in the Shadows. He was uh, in Water for Elephants. So uh, Water for Elephants. Hawaii Five-O, Orphan Black. He's got some good stuff. Like he was working. He's he working. was on the Tudors with Jonathan Rhys Myers. Hey, well, there we mm. go. That that's another one. That's all. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's Julie Taymor. Mm-hmm. I you know or I, Julie hit or miss Taymor. Oh, yeah. But she. Yeah. We talked about her Tempest, which I didn't like nearly as much as I like this. No, I agree. But I will say, I think I go back and forth on that. Like. Sometimes I think there are we've talked about the casting of it. I think the casting of it is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, but like there are parts of that movie that actually kind of stick with me and which mm. which is why I always think when I think of it, I think of it kind of fondly. But mm. I do remember watching it and being a little like, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, Julie. All right, Julie. Yeah. Turn it. And then down there's Spider-Man. <laughs> Well, Spider and then there's Spider-Man, Spider Turn Off the Dark, uh, <laughs> of course. 
Um, you know, and she also directed things like Frida, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Great, yeah. Um, she, she did. did... Across the Universe, which we've talked about. Yes, she yeah. did the revival of M. Butterfly in 2017 that I That's know nothing right. about other than it That's was right. not well received, correct? Yeah, they did a lot of tweaking right. and changes to it, which I don't well, mm. they We talked about it on the episode, but the, the big change that they made is that the first time that he comes out, that they come out, uh, they're in male form. And so there's no twist. There's no crying game. You know, there's no moment of like, it's just purely like, so it kind of is more about this man's obsession than it is about the twist, which is what Mm -hmm. everybody kind of remembers it for. And I actually think that's a great way to revive that script because everyone already knows what they're going to see. Right. Why not change the way that we look at it? But I also, Mm. I've, I've heard that there was cool stuff about it. Keela said, did he had, he had seen it or he knew people had seen it or something that he said it was supposed to be good but you're right it didn't get great reviews it wasn't mm-hmm. held in esteem like some of her other things um i can't think of other things that she's direct directed that were of note really besides film i mean film wise i mean Lion well, she King. had a midsummer night's dream that came out in 2014 that nobody saw and then she had a, a movie have in tucci in it was he Puck? N- no, that's the n- old one with Michelle Pfeiffer, isn't oh, it? Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. And, but uh, this, the, she, she had a movie in 2020 called The Glorias, which was Gloria Steinem and someone else. Um, it was a story, but it's that. Julianne Moore and, and uh, Janelle Monet and Alicia Vikander. Oh. And is like kind of a stacked cast of women and stuff, but I don't know that anyone saw it. Yeah. Uh, but the screenplay is by Sarah Rule. Oh. What? We're going to put that on our list. We need well, to, we're Yeah, that's that. where there's so many crosses in yeah, there. Yeah, Sarah Rule written, Julie Taymor directed, based on the book yeah. My Life on the Road by Gloria Steinem. Yeah. Wow, that must have come and went, you know. Yeah. Maybe yeah, it just it didn't work. 2020, I, mean, I think it was a I think it was a pandemic baby i think yeah. it just got shot in the maybe lost yeah i didn't mean to make a dead baby joke I oh no it's quite all right um <laughs> uh, i think the thing about tamor for me and when i say hit or miss tamor is her failures i think are glorious like she swings for the stars like every for, single time for sure, for sure. And sometimes it just doesn't work and sometimes sections of it work and and all that uh, this for for this titus i think it works also uh it, it I didn't rewatch the whole thing. I'd seen it before a couple times. I just watched chunks of it, but I forgot. And I think we often f- sometimes forget how good Anthony Hopkins is. Oof. Like it's yeah. almost a cliche to say it, but what was I, uh, fuck. What was I watching just last Did you night? watch the father? The father's extraordinary. He yeah. did so a good. Lear I mean, he right the... at the beginning that came out during pandemic too. Right. Right. Yeah. That was good. Did you watch it? I did watch it. It's good. Um, it was good. It wasn't my He's favorite great. thing I've seen him. At. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was um, born to play Lear, so. I um, like him in, like, older things, too. Like, Magic is this really weird old, like, puppet horror movie that he's in that I love. I like him in all <laughs> horror the Horror movie's not the right word. Well, Elephant Man, his his and John Hurt's performance in that movie yeah. are two of my favorite. Phenomenal. Ever captured. And then well, Remains of the Day. Like, oh my God, right, that scene yeah. with the book. 
like will make me weep like a fucking baby. And I want a remains just... of the day lunchbox. Okay. <laughs> um, there's a uh, the he's the in a Thor thing movies. To have on a lunchbox. Wouldn't that be funny? Like an old school tin lunchbox. Um, that's a joke from something. I don't remember what it is. Um, there's a uh, is that he's in the Thor is that movies. Guffman? It, it might be Guffman. You're right. Is he selling that? Is is Corky selling remains of the day lunchboxes at the end? I think that's what it is. It's yeah. got to exist out there. You're somewhere. right. Um, but I know we got to find one. Um, he's in the Thor movies. Okay, which we're gonna do the Marvel cinematic universe during this this break in fact we should announce that now we're gonna probably take like three whole fucking episodes to just like rank it and talk about every one of them (laughs) maybe more we're gonna talk about the tv series we're gonna talk about the whole universe oh fuck i gotta watch the tv no no you don't no you don't okay but yeah we won't rank Um, the tv shows but just but we will rank the two most but do watch all of them anyway Um, i'm going to it's just gonna take me but the story goes with hopkins with the thor movies is that when they approached him with the script, he read it, and he, they, he said, the story goes that he brought it back, and every single line was circled for the first, like, ten pages or whatever, and then he handed it back and was like, great, yeah, I'll do it. And they <laughs> said, okay, awesome, uh, what does this mean, all the circles? And it said, N-A-R. And he mm-hmm. was like, oh, that's just a note I make myself, whatever. And they asked his assistant, and they said, oh, that means no acting required. <laughs> <laughs> And, what, and he was like, sure, I'll take the paycheck, but I don't have to do anything. But actually, he's kind of given it in Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. he, he's Isn't marvelous. that the one where he dies on the... On the yeah. He floats yeah. Kind of when he's like an old... He's at the very end of his life. Yeah. yeah he's that's... kind of killing it. And then there's even a scene... I think it's in... It's either in Ragnarok or like Dark World, or I can't remember which one it is, where he's playing Loki playing him. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. a good scene. He's He's... He's playing. He's doing he's good things. He's pretty good it's at everything. And, and, yeah. and he's so funny. Like, he, he understands right. humor. And, like, that's what everybody says about him is that, you know, he's a fucking cut up, you know, on set. And you can do amazing impersonations. And- right. We did uh, forget another tie-in to a few things. Uh, sorry about this. But uh, Julie Taymor did direct the original Lion King, which Ooh. is a elton john hans zimmer and tim rice musical that's correct yeah i love that musical i mean i love that movie but i saw that musical in london i think yeah it's so good what would it be like to produce a musical that you have all of god's money to make (laughs) yeah right maybe fun here's disney (laughs) money this is disney yeah go exactly go Uh, make something i do have a if we want to go back to Titus for a moment, I no. did have a plot point I wanted to ask y'all about. I have a question Bailey, too. Bailey, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to ask you, Bailey, how y'all handled it when you did it with uh, your kids. Mm-hmm. And then also I have a thought about how it's handled in the movie. And it's at the very, very end, right, right as he serves everyone the people pie. And Lavinia walks in and he asks about... Um, you know the the roman general that had to kill his daughter for being despoiled right. yeah. and then he kills lavinia bailey how did you, how did you guys handle that and then my thing was was when i watched it in the movie i think i think they're trying to get you to be on titus's side in the movie i mean that's the feeling i got and that was the one thing that i'm like i don't know that you can make that moment 
Right. Even though she kind of walked in and it was like almost like they had discussed it and this was going to happen when she came into the room. Mm. So what do y'all think about that? Bailey, how did you handle that? I mean, I don't really remember if you want the truth. I feel like that might have even been... Fuck, what did we it's do? It's such a fast moment. Right. And then I sure. think we made it a song. I think we made... Like Titus sang like a woe is me song, whatever. Uh-huh. So it did kind of maybe make you feel a little something for Titus. But also the way we were doing it was very like PG, sure. like... Well, maybe PG-13. I don't know. But, the, but like that there wasn't really a hero. There wasn't really a... You know what I mean? Like it didn't even feel like evil... It was just like war begets revenge and that's it. Like that was kind of our whole take. So I don't actually remember that moment very well in the play. Okay. From it's, from our production, I mean. Okay. It's 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 a brutal moment. And I think that uh, this is why I think it's it, what Shakespeare is doing is kind of interesting. Because, I mean, th- these questions about, you know, are we born with violence? Is it in us? These sort of rules that... Because this is at the edge of society as we understand society. You know what I mean? They have rulers and they have an emperor and all that, but it's still pretty fucked up um, in, in terms of laws, in terms of rights, and in, in terms of, of all that, uh, you know, hum, hu, humanism. But, like, the, the primal impulses always win out in this thing, and they're usually based on... And, and it's just the cycle of revenge, obviously. I'm, you killed my son, I'm going to kill your daughter, and then I'm going to do this. And it keeps spiraling out of control. And um, at the end, none of them, not even Titus, can res- resist those sort of primal impulses. And, and so it's, it's, I don't know how I would handle that moment, CJ. Cause it's, I think I know how I would handle it, but it would change it. the play a little bit. I think that the way that makes it, it's tragic, but the way that makes it right for me is if this woman, the way that she's been treated, the way that she's been brutalized, her husband is dead, who knows what kind of emotional and psychological shit she's going through, is if he hands her something and she can do it to herself. Yeah, that's kind of where my thinking was, too. I mean, the impulse, your, my initial impulse is, oh, it's a mercy thing. He's doing he does it, it for a... her, so she's not guilty of suicide, I guess. But but nothing in his behavior guilty, suggests... Guilty, quote-unquote. Quote-unquote. Yeah. But nothing in his behavior, I think, really rationalizes that motivation. He's right. doing it out of honor, her honor, quote-unquote, but... He's doing it as much for his honor, too. Sure. Um, and then, you know, then the bloodbath that ensues after that. like <laughs> In literally a half a page. Like, that dinner scene, I, I, it'd been such a long time since I'd read the play. I was like, I bet this scene is really long. And it's really not. He serves them pie. There's half a monologue. And then by the end of the page, everybody's dead. Just, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, this whole play is is without moral, right? It's without values. It's mm-hmm. it's it I mean, it doesn't even really have a point at the end of the day. It's sort of like there's really nothing to say. I mean, I think you can now. You can say things with the play on purpose. Um, but at the end of the day, Titus isn't right. Aaron mm-hmm. isn't right. Everyone's kind of wrong. It's just like this horrible uh 
it's a real situation that's happened many times and maybe is even happening now in the world, but it's like just war. It's just about war and like the cruelties of it. And I love that it gets to be so gory and so insane because it becomes this like, I think Roger Ebert called the Titus movie a killing gallery, hmm. right? Rather than a catharsis. It's just about like, the spread of blood it's the red wedding it's just like it's not even about like emotional anything and i think that kind of rocks is it in in the barry sonnenfeld adams family movie isn't okay okay, isn't the scene that wednesday and pugsley do at the talent show isn't that a titus andronicus i think it might be a titus andronicus where they cut off each other's arms and And then there's bailey with another another deep fucking cut dude i don't know why that's stuck in my head when i was a kid i love that happy halloween y'all go watch the old adams family with uh angelica houston and christopher lloyd and And raul julia Uh, raul julia one of my favorite um, actors of all time. Kiss to the Spider Woman, dude. Uh, Kiss the Street Woman. Fighter. Uh-huh. Mega Bison. <laughs> One um, liberty that Tamor takes with the script that I loved that puts a good twist on the end of Titus Andronicus is that long exit when oh, the grandson yeah. picks up the baby because i looked that up and i was like wait what does happen to the baby in the play and you don't know you don't know you just know that, that aaron baby, is punished yeah. and and lucius has promised i'm not going to kill your baby because you gave me this information but that's it and the end of titus is actually kind of hopeful he takes the baby and they walk off into the rising sun and that's the right. end right yeah. i feel like and i could be wrong about this it's insinuated a bit that the baby is hung oh is it okay not in titus the movie but in the play and i'm trying to remember now specifically i don't have it next to me because i looked that up too because i was like wait a sec and i just i mean i googled it and and looked up a couple different things but i think the baby does die i think there's a line that signifies shakespeare which i think you as a director can do it wherever the fuck you want he's dead sure. so you know it's yeah. public domain do whatever the fuck you want do whatever you want mm-hmm. um i've got some, an interesting thing you guys ready for this yes yeah. uh so critic s mark hulse <laughs> figures that titus andronicus has 14 killings nine of them on stage six severed members one rape or two or three depending on how you count one live burial, mm. one case of insanity, and one of cannibalism. An average of 5.2 atrocities per act, or one for every 97 lines. There's so much revenge-fueled violence in this play that it becomes ridiculous. And at times, uh, its grisliness has a comical effect. There is a scene where two people are hung from their toes, and their throats are cut, and then they are fed to people. Yeah. yeah. That's where we're at. That's, That's some at. South Park shit. Mm-hmm. He does that to oh, Scott. What's it. his name's family? That's yes. awful. Oh yeah. Um, Cartman does it. Cartman does. Well, it. I feel like we we've, <laughs> we've really tackled Titus. We've done a great job with it. Titus Padronica cast. Titus Padronic. Tit cast Padronica cast. Uh, so what if we move on to our next one? Are y'all down for that? Yeah, we wanna we wanna do a little dip our toe into into this one, and we'll finish it next week. We'll just dip it. We'll just yeah. do a little dippy right. dip. All right. I can do it. Yeah, right. it'll be a it'll be a nice blue cheese dip. <laughs> All right. Um, nice buffalo sauce. Toe jam. What? Ew. 
<laughs> Bailey, it's your pick intro. Oh my god, it's my pick. Uh, I chose the Steven Spielberg directed West Side Story. Now, you son Scott of a can't bitch! Wait. You <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. You, you did that. To, you did that to press my buttons. The better joke is. I chose the Baz Luhrmann movie, uh, Romeo and I Juliet. I can't wait to... Romeo plus Juliet. Romeo I, plus Juliet. I can't wait to talk about that movie. Well, it's a phenomenal film. Yeah. Uh, absolutely phenomenal film. But I will say, uh, the play itself is one that I think a lot of people forget about. I mean, obviously, we don't forget about it. It's probably the most known play. I think sure. more people know lines from it than any other play. If you're a layman who's not into theater, like you probably know at least one line from Romeo and Juliet, right? That's yeah. just kind of the thing. But I will say, uh, as someone who has worked on it recently and directed a lot of scenes from it with, with my kids and stuff like that, I think it's way more brilliant than we give it credit for because it has become the most produced, the most like eye rolling of his plays. Sure. But I think if you can take it out of that context for your brain a little bit while you're reading it, he's doing some fucking awesome shit here. Mm -hmm. I love that it's been done in so many other ways uh, with retellings and that you can use the, the, like Romeo and Juliet as sort of like stereotypes in any form and people kind of already get what you're where you're at because it's it's a character type that we just understand right away because of, everyone knows it so you and well. Pam <laughs> well yeah I mean Pam and I have a show that we're working on right now and then I want to hear the the breakdown for this siege but mm -hmm. we're working on a play right now a musical um, called the Hierophant, where the lead characters are named Romeo and Juliet. Their names are never said in the show. Mm. Uh, so, like, I think one character at one point s says, kind of winkingly, like, "Okay, Romeo." Like, but it could sound like he's just calling him that because he's talking about flirtation and ro romanticism or whatever. And so, and in the playbill, there are and J, but because even if you if you get it or don't, you still are going to understand that that type right away you know and it, mm -hmm. I, I i love it a lot uh anyway fucking break it down all right <laughs> cj's breakdown two households both alike in dignity in fair verona where we lay our scene from ancient grudge break to new mutiny where civil blood makes civil hands unclean from forth the fatal loins of these two foes a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life. It's true. It's Sorry true. for yelling. I, mean, I got excited. You get excited. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, Bailey, you had kind of tipped me off to it before I'd started it going. I think this is really great. This is really because I, I, when you brought it up and when you that was your pick, I was like, okay, Romeo and Juliet. So I, <laughs> but then you were like, man, I think this is really fucking good, and and you 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 kind of talked me into a state of mind when I went to it, and so yeah. I reading that. Shakespeare has brass fucking balls because a everybody knows this story. This yeah. isn't he didn't write this story. Everybody right, right. knows this story. And then just as CJ presented in the first, he tells you exactly what the fuck's gonna happen, and then pulls off the rest of the show, and you're just in it. Yeah. Like you're really in it. Like, and the themes are clear. The performances are clear. I have a lot to say about performances of it but i i mean the, the characters are clear sure. um because well, i have I, never seen and if yeah. either of you have let me know yeah 
and not the Baz Luhrmann one, and I'll give you my note in a second. I've never seen a balanced production. I've always seen a really good Juliet and an okay Romeo, mm, mm. or a really good Romeo and an okay Juliet. I've I never seen them balanced. A production, and I honestly couldn't tell you where it was at this point. I'm pretty sure it was either at KCACTF or at a random place in Kansas City. I can't remember for the life of me. But I remember it being a last-second thing that I went to it, and I was a little drunk. I think it was KCACTF and I, at the theater festival. And I went to see it, and the rest of the cast... And so this kind of defeats the point, Scott. The rest of the cast was not good. But Romeo and Juliet had this tension. This, Hmm. you could tell they wanted to fuck. You know what I mean? Like, you could just feel it. Hopefully they waited until the show had closed. Well, I hope so, too. Yeah, but but they had already done the show and, and had brought it back together for this festival, if it was at the festival. I think it was. So, you know, they put it back together and still had this tension. And I was just like... Oh, 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 like so sexy. And I think there's a weirdness to that because they're meant to be like 14 and 16 or whatever. Right. But these were college students. These are, you know, older. And I've I've seen a couple where I was. I don't know. There's been some I've seen some good ones, but I think you're right, Scott. I think for the most part, that is what ends up happening. I got to play. I've actually worked on this show so many fucking times, um, mostly as like a stage manager or a choreographer type. I saw one of the best nurses I've ever seen at Loft. Brie Pavey played one of the best nurses I have ever fucking seen. Oh, fun. I had a great time playing Tybalt in a fringe. Oh, it was a, you were great in that. Yeah, thank I, you. I saw it, yeah. It was a super paired, it was like a 90-minute Romeo and Juliet, so yeah. like I didn't even get my favorite John Leguizamo line in the play, but I Tybalt's John a... Leguizamo. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a... It's not him. John Leguizamo's I know. All right. I know. No, but I love his read on it. I love his read on it. But Tybalt was... There's so many characters in this that I would fucking kill to play still. Oh, and yeah, we'll yeah. Yeah, no, this... Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's great. Um, and, yeah, do we, do we want to get into it? We're already into it, Scott. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, go for it. No, I... Uh, I, I watched some clips of the Josh O'Connor, Jesse Buckley National Theater production. Yes. Which is getting all kinds of rave. Well, because Josh O'Connor is from The Crown. and Right, right. The Crown is, he's the thing. Oh, and, he's and, Prince Charles. Yeah. Yes. And and I, so I watched like the balcony scene, which was great. Like, they, and they mm. were both, they were both really on it. Um, and we, uh, Krasner and I got high. My roommate, Brian Krasner, friend of the pod. And rewatched uh, the Baz Luhrmann one and really, really enjoyed it. Um, but the worst thing in it is is Leo, and I'm not a Leo hater, but he's he's playing a mood, and everybody else is playing a a character. They're playing intentions, especially Claire Danes. So he stood out. Not that he's awful in it. It's just. It was really interesting because I'd watched the Fassbender uh, Scottish play, which we'll talk about Ugh, later. I have things to say about that. <laughs> but watching the groundedness of how they use the language in that and then the not groundedness of it and in the Lerman one was was interesting. But that movie is extraordinary. And, and it's a testament to what you were saying, Bailey, that it just endures and... 
and yes that movie is of its of its time but it still holds up and it is but it kind of rocks it yeah. rocks hard um, i love it, the design it, of it i love the oh, swords yeah. the guns as swords i love all that shit but there is have y'all ever seen the 1968 oh Romeo sure the, the zephyrella yeah yeah i'm i'm obsessed with that movie i it's was great. shown it freshman year of high school by one of my favorite teachers ever and i it just I, I loved it. I loved it so much. And Michael York is Tybalt, and he's awesome mm -hmm. in it. Uh, Michael mm -hmm, York, yes. who I always think of as uh, Basil from um, Awesome, awesome Powers. Powers. Yes, yes, <laughs> I, yes. I always think of him as Logan from Logan's Room. Well, okay, from Logan's <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, but then did you – there was also a 2021 Romeo and Juliet movie. Excuse me, a 2020 Romeo and Juliet, wasn't it? Like a couple years ago that I, had... I vaguely remember like hearing something about it and then it vanished off the radar. Oh, excuse me. Own. It was 2013. Sorry. I thought it was oh. much more recent. Uh, yeah, I thought there was a more recent one. It's Haley Steinfeld. From 2013? How old yeah, is she? Yeah, it's Haley. She's like 15. She's like 15, oh, 16. Man. Haley Steinfeld. And um, Paul Giamatti is the friar. Ooh. He's perfect. That's perfect. He's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, really I'd good. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see it. I recommend it. All right. Um, but Stan yeah. Stellan Skarsgård is Prince of Verona. Damian Lewis is Lord Capulet. It's good. Yeah. I Yeah. I, I, I'd like to see that. You should. Um, <laughs> Krasner. I should say Krasner's quote while watching the RNJ. Uh, this is the, uh, this year's a real long episode of my so-called life. It's real, <laughs> real long. But he, um, we sure. both, we both finished it. And we're like, that's still pretty fucking good. It's still pretty fucking good, especially um, what's his name, Henry Perrineau as uh, as Mercutio, Harold. Yeah, uh, he's Harold Perrineau. That's right. Who I love. Mm -hmm. He was on Oz for mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Lost. And he's in the Matrix trilogy. No, Oz. Oh, Lost. Was, yes. Sorry. Fuck. He was on Lost. Mm -hmm. I hate that show. But he was on Lost. Um, he's in, uh, there's something else he's in where he's like a huge part and I can't think of what it is now. He was on the show. Fuck. No. What was it? Never mind. I'm not going to think of it. Yeah. Criminal and Minds. Then, and then he did, <laughs> he did top dog, uh, uh top dog That's underdog right. performance on Broadway. And That's right. Uh, yeah, he's, he's amazing. And I... the, per the perfect ballast for, uh, Leguizamo. The two right. of them. Oh my, oh my god! He was so. He was so. There were so many. I'm. I mean, I was twelve when this movie came out. Me and my friends went and saw this in the movie theater. This was my intro into Shakespeare, and like I still, when we read it finally, and when I got into it in college, I always remembered this film. Mm. When I was twelve, every girl my age wanted someone to talk to them, like Leonardo DiCaprio did in that movie, and every girl wanted to have to choose between Leonardo DiCaprio and Paul Rudd. I mean, like Paul that. Rudd. The, the mm -hmm. soundtrack of that movie is such a big part of, like, my junior high and high school years. Oh, I mean, yeah. like, well, and I mean, John Leguizamo's great in it. Harold Perrineau's great in it. I love Paul Sorvino. I love Pete. Yeah, he's great. Pete Postlesweight. Yo. I love oh, his friar. Yo, oh, my God. One of our most underrated character actors 
of yeah. all time. He, uh, yeah, he passed away, what, like four or five years did ago? Did he? That's right. I think his uh, final film might have been Inception. He did that, yeah, he did that, what, like 15 years later? Oh, The yeah. Town. His final oh. film was The Town, oh. um, which is a mediocre film. He was also he, in uh, Clash of the Titans, the 2010 remake. Right. <laughs> he was, uh, he also played uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's dad in um, uh, in the Name of the Father. That's which, right. That's and, right. And, and he's, and he's in, got an he's Oscar Constant Gardener, which is phenomenal. Oh, what a great flick. Um, yeah. I feel like he shows up in a lot of like kids movies. Like I feel like he's in like James and the Giant Peach or some shit. Right. Yeah, like he's I in like so. weird yeah. older. Uh, fuck. I can't think of it now. But yeah, he's he's a bad. He oh, oh, he's in Alien 3. David Fincher's. Oh, Alien which is underrated. 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 And he's a he's a great part in that. He's awesome. Um. Another person, Miriam Margoyles, who is also Professor, um, fuck, Sprout. she's the herbology teacher. Yes. Sprout, Professor Sprout. She's the nurse in this. She's right. great. I, I have just... never been a fan of hers, and people oh. love her. I, oh, I like her. I love her. Oh, I like her. I think she, in this movie, she it's, it's too much. Mm. It's too much. I, I, want, I like a more understated, quippy nurse as opposed to wacky, but, you know. That's just a, you know. They kind of went that bent, though, with the nurse and, and like, Lady Capulet. Like, some of those scenes where it's, oh, like, yeah. fast motion stuff and, and, like, she's, the Lady Capulet is taking diet pills and smoking, like, yeah. I... I really, I really liked the. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of into the whole Boz Lerman thing anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it can, it can grow tired. I don't think it grows tired in Romeo and Juliet, but you know, some this of is a other... close second to me of Baz Lerman films under Moulin Rouge in terms of design. Oh and yeah, things like mm. that. Like, and Moulin I just Rouge love it. And, and and doings. I think one of the accomplishments that he pulls off with this R and J that so many people don't with doing Shakespeare is that is filling the moments too often. Yeah. People are just on stage saying the words and right. maybe they're meaning the words, but he's there's doings going on, whether it's them at the pool table and like, you know, the ball flying over the thing and it's all happening really, really quick, but it's that attention to detail and filling every one of those seconds that, just makes the movie. I mean, it cruises along too. Right. They did not get in greatest showman. What do you mean? We discussed that. I think we discussed during when we watched Greatest Showman that they were trying to be Boz Lerman. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it is. It, it's it, well, it's trying to be Moulin Rouge specifically, and it just hit. It doesn't hit the mark in any way, shape, or form. Right. Which it's both trying to not look like Moulin Rouge and be Moulin Rouge, which is impossible. Um, <laughs> what is y'all's favorite Leonardo DiCaprio performance? Um, I do love The Revenant a lot. Um, yeah. I I I really like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's yeah, he's good in that. Really, yeah. And I don't I, think that's I his best. I, but he's I liked great. a lot. He's great in it. Um, and I mean, I I thought he was great in uh, Boy's Life, which was kind of his you know coming out party. And Gilbert Grape goes, boys you know, oh, this yeah. Boy's Life, this Boy's this Life, life. This, yeah, this Boy's Life with De Niro and what about Gilbert Titanic? Grape, which Gil <laughs> I really love I really love Basketball Diaries. That's like oh you know, yeah, that's a great the, the Ian Jim Mark Carroll. Wahlberg in that yeah um, yeah that is Jim Carroll. Um, I uh, uh, 
I love Titanic. No hate on Titanic. All day the Titanic. But all, all day hate for Titanic. I know you do. That's so weird. It's such a good movie. Uh, but one it's, of the other two things that really film. that I it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful to the people that died on the boat. That's insane. That's great. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I can't wait until we movie. do this and stuff. We're never doing this and stuff. But I will say, uh, I really love him in Gangs of New York, and I really love him in The Departed. But I think my nub- number one is kind of a weird one. It's Shutter Island. Oh, I haven't seen that in a long time. It's, I think that's, that's a good his flick. best performance. It's he's really good in it, and he's Mark really Ruffalo good in is, is a great like other for him, like best friend kind of character for him. I don't know. It's really good. I like him as Darlene's classmate in Roseanne. Remember that? <laughs> remember Growing Pains? <laughs> yeah, I remember. He's also the kid in Marvin's room up against Diane Weist and and frickin' Meryl Streep, and he actually holds his own. It's yeah. pretty good when he was like sixteen. Yeah. Anyway, we love him. Uh, should we close this one out, y'all? Yeah, yeah we've been talking on. for a long time. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have any LA spotlights? LA spotlight. Um, the Sacred Fools Theater Company, of which all three of us are members, is now uh, taking submissions for the next show, which is How We Got On um, by uh, Idris Goodwin. It's a marvelous story about a group of young people. Uh, coming together, finding their art, finding their voice uh, in 1980s hip hop uh, uh, with a 1980s hip hop backdrop, I should say. Uh, it's going to be directed by Jamie Robledo. But if you're interested in auditioning for the play, please go to sacredfools.org, uh, activate your Actors Access account, and submit for the show. Um, Guys, I, I said I said Diane Weist. It was it's Diane Keaton in Marvin's room. I'm an idiot. I think Diane Weist it's is okay. a better actress. You're you're Ooh, probably right. I love yeah. I love Diane Keaton. I'm not going to hate on her, but I think Weist is a little bit more dynamic. Also, like Dan Hedaya is in this movie, who was in Adam's Family. And cheers. So we've we've cheers. brought it around. Yeah, now I'm going to watch the old Adam's Family this weekend. You should. It's one of the best movies of all fucking I haven't time. Haven't seen it in a long time. Barry Sonnenfeld is one of our. Uh, most underrated directors in my opinion i think he's phenomenal he also and, did men in and, black yeah uh we love him okay uh any other like spotlights cj no get your tickets for head over heels at pasadena playhouse they're selling quick come see it um uh, thank you for listening to part one of titus padronicus we'll be back next week with part two and then after that did we decide what we're doing after that y'all do we remember we have a list of a lot we got a list of stuff we'll announce next week officially what our thing is but we have we have a lot of ideas we just haven't ironed out the schedule stay tuned yeah but marvel we've got some harry potter i think it's marvel i think we're doing marvel now i don't know we'll see um i love you guys Love I'm you, Bailey. No, Re- don't be sorry about anything. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, review. Please. Yeah. But, like, actually do it. Also, a big shout out. Are, are, are we following script right now? Sure. <laughs> a big want. shout out to Ryan oh, Thomas geez. Johnson for writing our theme song. Our theme song is better than your theme song. It's true. Also, a big shout out to Pamela Quinn for writing our Shakespeare-centric song, which you are about to hear. I think I got that all out. Uh, and finally, to the great Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Annie Baker for writing every single episode of our podcast. She's so good, she does it and doesn't even know it. But one day, Annie Baker, you're going to be in Los Angeles, and we're going to buy you a beer.
That's true. We're going to. Uh, CJ, did you have anything you want to say? Uh, <laughs> if you want to say hi or tell us how pretty you are, we are, or you are. You are. You can Maybe find you us. Are. Tell us. I want to know. Facebook, Don't send a picture. Instagram, just tell us about it. Twitter. <laughs> I yeah, just want to hear in detail how pretty you are. Find us on the social medias, please. Yeah. yeah. Okay, friends. We're going to see guys. you some other time. <laughs> Mouths and butts are the same things. Shakespeare's cool. Mouth rainus. Your mouth, mouth Your mouth is. Mouth Bailey, there we go. Here we go. m good and plenty. Cup of coffee, grab some Joe. <gasps> Grab a Tootsie Roller 20. I actually know this one. I need another cup of Joe. Apple cobbler a la mode. Cup of coffee for the road. I'll have some coffee for the road. Janine Tesori, Violet. Yep. Okay, bye. Later, everybody. Wait. <laughs> And I begin at the end, words flowing in, my dear friend. No right or wrong, just move along, keep getting strong together. so right